What have you got there, mate? Just a glass of wine. All right. How is it? It's all right, I guess. I mean, obviously, it's not really delicious, like a pint from Beer 52. Well, it's a good job that this episode of Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs is sponsored by Beer 52, the world's number one beer club. With Beer 52, you'll receive a case of beer every month featuring craft beers from all over the world, including Belgium, California, New Zealand and more. As well as getting eight free beers, you'll also receive the award-winning magazine Ferment, as well as a couple of different snacks. Perfect for a night in, or an innocent picnic in the park. For the last time, it was a picnic. You couldn't see the snacks. We had two different types of snacks. Best of all, you can pause or cancel your membership at any time, so you don't need to worry about the ombudsman coming to get you if you want to take a break from your membership. So seriously, what are you waiting for? If you want to get started with a free case of beer, head to beer52.com forward slash peep to access your first case for free. Eight beers, Beer 52. Eight. That's insane. All you need to do is pay the £5.95 for postage. And don't worry if you're not a fan of dark beers, there is a light option available. So that's beer52.com forward slash peep to get your first Beer 52 case for free. Poor me. Poor me. Pour me another glass from Beer 52. Cheers. Hello, I'm Robert Webb and you're listening to Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs. <laughs> Welcome to Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs, a podcast all about discussing and reviewing the British sitcom Peep Show. My name's Tom Harrison, and I'm joined, as always, by Rob Graham. Hello! And we've made it to the series finale. So this week we're going to be discussing episode six of series six, which is called Das Boot. How are you doing, Rob? I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. Uh, pretty uneventful week. Uh, this this series seems to have flown by, though. I was sort of, as I was driving over here to record, I suddenly thought... It doesn't seem five minutes since we recorded the first episode of this. We've been planning on our comeback, and mm. then by the time we finish recording, we're, we're done for another series. Yeah, I have to say, but when it gets to about this point, I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, we've reached the end now. So the cycle of editing, recording, note-taking, like, recording, yeah. editing, note-taking. People who have been listening to us since the original, like, series one... We used to be really organised. We used to record like three or four episodes in a not at one time, but we'd record like three or four episodes before we released episode one. So we were always ahead of the game. Tom was always being able to edit a couple at a time before we released mm. the first one. Now we're we're recording it like beginning of the week, and our patreons who get it a little bit early. Like Tom literally records on the Sunday and we have to have it out by like the Wednesday or Thursday. <laughs> it's a very quick it sort of turnaround. Yeah, hopefully. I think yeah, we'll have, perhaps have to revisit our scheduling and, and get on top of that. And I don't want to put a down on things, Tom, but we haven't got a very big gap between the end of this series <laughs> and the next one. We're, we're no. coming back probably sort of late November. So I'd imagine that uh, you'll be we'll be recording basically as soon as we're... Yeah, not far off it. Yeah, take a bit of a break. Have a couple of specials. Yeah, well, then... we'll talk about this at the end of the episode, yeah. with what we've sort of got lined up for the break, and then we're going to head straight into Series 7, pretty much. Absolutely. And I think we've got one or two new patrons that we need to shout out. We have. We've got two new patrons this week. We have got John Barker and 
I'm presuming this isn't your real name, but this is what the information we've got is D Bizzle. D Bizzle in the house. <laughs> who have both joined us on Patreon, taking us up to 27 patrons now. We're getting close to that magic, magic 30. And we've had a bit of interaction with our patrons this week. Uh, obviously, with the David Mitchell interview coming up, we're giving our patrons the chance to ask a question to David. We've had some fantastic ones come up so far. So if you are interested in asking David a question, and we can guarantee that we'll read it out on the podcast as long as it's clean and appropriate (laughs) then uh head over to our patron to sign up for that so uh d bizzle and john barker join isaac morgan ash krishna Stuart hill peter frost joshua herbertson john ralston jonathan gardner ian harrison tim chamberlain jessica isler thomas burton toby irving michael collins john frazier Joel Johansson-Byberg, Alex Watson, Doug Simpson, Andrew Mason, Daniel Thompson, Laurie Johnson, Trisha Atenzia, Mike Kavanagh, Dave Pink, Robert Horvath, and Darren Friedrichs. There we go. It gets more difficult every week. Oh, like I said the other week, I think I need to start splitting them into two groups. Yeah, cool. Well, shout out, yeah, all, all the patrons. We really appreciate your support, as always. Cool, okay. Um, so, shall we go for a synopsis, then? Go for it. I don't think we did it last week, actually. I think Doug's essay from the, from the patron kind of um, almost summed up the entire episode in one, so I didn't end up going through it. But here it is for Das Boot. After the emotional gut punch of Gail's proposal to Elena, Jeremy struggles to deal with the fact that he may lose Elena forever and is scared about the lengths he may be willing to go to to hold on to her. Meanwhile, Sophie, who's due to give birth imminently, tasks Mark with finally learning to drive. So, discuss. It's a really good episode. Like, I think the last two episodes of this series have possibly been the best two. Like, we talked about the party last week, I said was my favourite episode of Series 6. But I think Das Boot is equally as good. I think it's got... it. it it's not the culmination of the storyline, because obviously the culmination of the storyline, the Mark and Sophie storyline, is obviously at the beginning of mm. the next series... But the culmination of the Gail and Elena and Jez storyline. I think it's a weird one because we knew that obviously Series 7 was coming after this. Like it wasn't, there was no way this could be the end of Peep Show by this point. It had to come back and you know where it's going to go. It has a series finale thing without it being on too much of a cliffhanger because you know exactly how it's going to be in the next episode. Yeah, that, this is where. I... It's a bit of a funny one for me. I When I was about to watch it, I was like, this is going to be absolutely amazing. Like, I can't wait. But then when I watched it, I don't know. I thought, I, I definitely like it. Certainly don't get me wrong. But I am I would probably put it third in, in this series for me. And I just, I wonder if... Because I think you hit the nail on the head when you were saying about how the opener for series seven is, you know, almost ties up the series six storyline for mark and sophie so to split it and have the best part of a year between those two episodes i don't i almost feel like it this should have been a you know a double bill almost do you think it's just more of a reflection though on this series not being one of the stronger series in the run mm. of the show i think when we've talked about our favorite episodes of the whole run of peep show this series has got no episodes that would feature in that top yeah. five top ten Mm. Oh, yeah, I think you might be right. I, th- I, I, I 
like, don't get me wrong, and please don't switch off from listening to our podcast. <laughs> um, but I think this series isn't, it hasn't got a major bit. You've got the Mark and Sophie storyline, which she doesn't find out she's pregnant at the beginning of this series, and she doesn't have the baby at the end of this series. So actually, the two main points of that storyline are done outside of series six. She's pregnant for the entirety of series six. Mm. So I think... Don't get me wrong, like, I love every episode of Peep Show, I love every series of Peep Show. For, as for my favourite for this series, I'd probably, I would put The Party and um, Jeremy at JLB, like the opener. I thought that was a really solid entry. And I think we talked about the time with Jeremy at JLB, it is, like, it feels like a feature length. Yeah, it's there's got so, so much in. And I do think that this one has a lot going in it, because you've got the build-up to the wedding, and then you've got, you know, all the driving stuff, you've got the couple of pre-parties, and then sort of, you don't really see the wedding, so obviously, we presume it doesn't happen at no. the end, but, you know, you get to the day of. So there's a lot in there, but, I don't know, I just think, it perhaps when I compared it then to the other series finales, it's like, yeah, this one is Oh yeah, strong. 100%. If you compare it to how the other series ended, there's a bit of drama with the whole Sophie going into labour, but I know what you mean, it doesn't quite but hit. But that happens in the last, I don't know, three, four minutes, and yeah. you, you only see Sophie for a, like, it's a quick phone call, and then they're over there. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I feel like the Series 7 opener... Is how Series 6 should have ended. Yeah, that should have perhaps been, you know, chop one episode out of Series 6 and have that one be the end so they yeah. follow immediately into each other because yeah. that does directly follow on you know an hour after we leave series six so it'd have to wait the best part of a year to find out I don't and know. Series... there's a lot of shows that do that to be fair and but... series six and seven were commissioned together presumably yes surely so i don't know how the planning was done as to why they would leave it a year mm. to carry it on yeah, it's a bit, bit of a funny one. Yeah. I, I do like this episode, though, but I feel like, as we're doing a podcast on it, we've got to point out some, some of them are going to yeah. be not as good as And others. we've had some good feedback from some of our listeners as well. I sort of put it out on to social media this week. I've been a bit lax with doing that, uh, just to see what people's thoughts were. Um, I think people uh, have a sort of similar opinion to us. I think what got picked up is some of the bits that don't seem particularly realistic, in this episode, somebody picked up on Facebook about the fact that Mark knows about Tottenham Hotspur, and they were like, that seems really unrealistic and really like unlike Mark to have that sort of thing. That's a really minor point, but yeah. they basically said when he makes the reference about playing at the White Hart Ground or whatever. He but says, I like that it, he he gets it right enough to sort of pass the test, but it's ever so slightly off, isn't it? But he also says about he sees the Tottenham Hotspur pen. And knows that they are Spurs, which I think is what the the person was saying. It was Nick Oosby on Facebook who said he knowing that Tottenham Hotspur are called Spurs when the pen just says Tottenham Hotspur doesn't strike me as something Mark would know off the top of his head. Spurs, the Spurers at the White Hart Ground, surprised me that he has, albeit loose knowledge. Um, and then it sort of has turned into a bit of a conversation on our Facebook page where some Stephen John has then said, yeah, Mark's football knowledge is quite bizarre and inconsistent with the rest of him as a person and character. There's the Tottenham moment, along with when he references Thierry Henry's nationality with Daryl Johnson and Jeff, which seems really unrealistic. I don't know, though. I don't think Mark is so far removed. Like, I don't know whether we confuse... It sounds really daft whether you confuse what David Mitchell is like yeah. with what Mark is like. But no one that Mark is friends with, Jez isn't interested in football. 
No. Like, Johnson, I can't imagine, is a particularly sporty person. Jeff would be the only person that he would know that I would imagine that would be in the real world enough to yes. be involved in football. And they're not going to be sitting there. When Mark tries to have that conversation with Jeff, he has to look up who Darren Anderton <laughs> is to actually yeah. have the conversation. It just seems a bit weird. But that, that's different. I feel like Thierry Henry is a, is a different level. Isn't yeah, it? maybe. I feel like we've just jumped back about three scenes. Yes. There, um, so Jamie Atkinson then says, enjoy most of it, such as Hans's twins monologue, which I think yes. is brilliant. Though the ending is a bit rushed and silly. I kind of wonder if Elena's story was going to be picked up again in series seven, which is why there isn't really an exit of her. Mm, that's very true. Um, also... And I'm going to talk about this, and I think we talked about it in last week, about who is Sophie to Elena and Gail to be at their wedding. Like, Why would Sophie be going to their wedding anyway? Well, there's yeah, there's a lot of this. Like, in the pre-parties, there's a lot of, like, why are these people here? Yeah, and um, Great Shatner's Toast on Reddit made a similar point, but slightly more detail, and just said, one thing I've always wanted to address is Sophie and Elena's friendship. Elena is Sophie's dealer who buys weed for Jamie, but gets invited to the drug dealer's wedding. Like, when it was back in the day, Sophie and Nancy being friends made sense, because they did Rainbow Rhythms together, and there was a reason Mm. that, if you remember, Nancy knew about the fact that Sophie had given Jeff a a hand job. Yes, yeah, they were that clearly mates. Yeah, but Elena and Sophie just comes out of nowhere. I guess I suppose we just have to presume that as part of their dealings, they they became friends that we don't really see. I guess that's. But when Sophie that. arrives at the house at the the flat at the beginning of the series, when she comes around to tell them about the baby, Elena's in the kitchen with Jez, and it's like they've never met each other before. Uh, ooh, yeah, I don't really remember that. Yeah, well by enough. the end of this series, Sophie's going to her wedding. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the whole thing is really... I'm presuming there's a massive gap between episode five and episode six. Because it's a wedding. They're not going to have got engaged in the last episode and married in the next one. Well, it's weird because, it, yeah, I think you're right. There is a, a decent gap. And I think there is a, a reasonable gap in this episode as well. I think there's a I suppose, yeah, gap. you're going to have a few days or weeks in between the driving lessons each time, the test. Well, that's an intensive course of a week. So that's so normally, like the party episode, we figure happens over the space of like two days. Um, or a few days. Yeah. Whereas this one, the minimum time for that, because the driving thing has got to be a week, you've then got, like, they then go for their two, like, parties that they have before the actual wedding itself. All of those are going to happen on separate days, aren't they? Like, the picnic's going to be on one day, their party that they have, where he then... Yeah, well, at the picnic, Mark references that there's a month and some weeks to go, and then at the wedding... Sophie goes into labour. Yeah, but that could just be early labour. That I wouldn't. I wouldn't hang too much on that. I just think more. I, there must be. A, there must have been a big gap between the party and this episode. Yeah, to plan a wedding. That although they are moving to Canada, so they it would have to be done quite quickly if they wanted to get married in England before they went to Canada. Mm, yeah, we're reading too much yeah, into this. Yeah, no, definitely. 
Um, but I mean, Sophie has looked very pregnant for quite a long time. Yeah. Like, that bump has been massive. Well, so we said, think... didn't it? It went from like nothing to she's massive. Yeah, it's <laughs> a bit weird. <laughs> Cool. Okay. Right. Well, let's let's dive into the episode. We spent long enough <laughs> talking uh, <laughs> talking uh, intro stuff. So our series finale starts at the pub of all places, and uh, Mark is joining some former jail beers for a reunion, which I thought was a bit odd because I wasn't really sure why Mark was there because I thought everyone would hate him after his antics at the GL, uh, the JLB life raft event. And we talked about this last week about no one from JLB should be at his party because they'd all think he was a knob. Yeah. But also this seems really quick to have a reunion after the end of JLB. It's like three months maximum. Um, Six months maybe. Yeah. Sophie true. was pregnant the whole way through this so it's got to be even if it's even if it's over a period of six seven months that seems like a very quick time to have a proper organised reunion like I know that like you have met up with your friends from Thomas Cook since that went kaput but that's been an informal thing hasn't it you haven't had like a massive gathering yeah no it's been nothing like that hopefully you haven't had a massive gathering mate it's <laughs> I was going to say yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it is a little bit odd um, what's also odd is that Mark turns up in his banditos uniform yeah <laughs> Yeah, so weird. I, and I remember watching it at the time and thinking that doesn't really seem to make any sense. You've not got time to go home and shower. Well, he says that he had, because Jeff comes over and says like, oh, thought I could smell burrito and like thought it must be you. Oh, sorry, yeah, that makes it even weirder though, that he's gone home, showered and then put his bandito's uniform back on. Come on, yeah, makes no sense. Absolutely no <laughs> sense whatsoever. So he comes in and he he, in his head, acknowledges that he's moved on from... JLB, but in a semi-sarcastic way, because he just says, I'm now serving nachos to arseholes. And then he pans round to look at Sophie, and she's standing there, and like you said, she is huge. And like he says, she's huge. Mm. And he just says, it's like Alien, if the alien was a human. And then he he goes on to say something about, if I had to choose, would I rather an alien burst out of my chest quickly, or was heaved out of my vagina slowly? <laughs> so I'd like to put that question to you, that's, Tom. That's, <laughs> that, you beat me to it. Um, I think, I mean, if it bursts out of your chest, like It'll an alien, they, they die, yeah. So if... I definitely I mean, have you... something, bef- I know I'm. we're sure to have... Lots of women who probably have experienced childbirth come on and say <laughs> you wouldn't want it. I think I'd probably go for the childbirth over having an alien burst yeah, out of my chest. Because isn't there something like pregnant women sort of forget about the trauma through like a series of hormones or something? I feel like we're opening <laughs> ourselves up to a whole level I, I of... Swear, I've heard that multiple times where... Because it is so traumatic that there, there's some sort of biological thing that helps them forget... Otherwise, they would be far less likely to get pregnant again and go through it all. But I don't feel like the pain is as bad as women make it. Oh, Christ, he says with a smile on his face. <laughs> oh, so, lady listeners who have given birth, please do get in touch and, and let us know what you think. I think I'd rather have uh, have it heaved out of my non-existent vagina, personally. <laughs> um, but I feel like this is this sort of the beauty of the internal monologue at these moments, where these sort of random, ridiculous thoughts that I, I quite often find—I mean, not this, but like other 
slightly odd things of like, would I rather this happen or like, or what if this happened? Yeah. And you, before you know it, you go into some weird, dark and wonderful places. And I've spent many, like when we've been driving to places, I've spent many times with my wife just going, would you rather have a penis for fingers or a vagina on your forehead? <laughs> <laughs> like, it just, it just degenerates so quickly. <laughs> to you. Um, the answer um, is penis for fingers. <laughs> right, it's okay, good to know. Um, so we see Jeff wander over, he makes the gag about the um, smelling like a burrito, which yeah. we touched on, um, but then it, it's almost like he's out to ruin Mark's day here because he just outs the fact that the baby is a boy yeah. and he must know. The way he delivers this, and he lo- he's looking so smug that he's just deliberately... And we've seen him do this before where he's just out to... You know, spill the beans before Mark. Yeah, find and out. when he comes out with that line of going, "Oh, have I opened your Chrissy Prezi early?" I'm like, yeah. "You scumbag!" <laughs> like, there's no part of you that thinks that Jeff didn't know that Mark didn't know. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And we talked about it a couple of episodes ago, where Sophie has the conversation with Mark, where Mark says, "Let's leave it as a surprise." Yes, and then she's obviously gone and done it. We don't know what the relationship between her and Jeff has been in the build-up to this, but you get the vibe that by the end of this series, her and Jeff are back on. Yeah, they definitely... Jeff is hanging around a lot. Well, he goes to her antenatal classes, doesn't he? Yeah. And then, obviously, by the beginning of series seven, he tells Mark that we're back on. I've moved into Nana's cottage. So there's obviously the build-up... Yeah, he's making his his moves now yeah. and yeah, getting in. Yeah. I thought I thought it was yeah, like you say. We at first I thought it was weird that she'd only just found out about the sex of the baby because it is does seem so late in her pregnancy. But then you're right that Mark does say in the cafe back in episode two, three, um, she says to him, "Oh, would you like to find out?" And he says, "Oh, let it be a surprise." But she's obviously gone and found out without him knowing, yes. and she tries to ring him to tell him that she's done that and Mark says in his monologue maybe I should stop hanging up as soon as I see her number so she possibly has tried to do the the honourable thing in the sense that he didn't want to find out when she's done it anyway yeah. but at least she's tried to tell him before Jeff has come along and been a party pooper I'd, I don't think that's good enough though like I mean I've said this before with the it's like the paternity results I just figure, like, I mean, it is really bad. Like, Mark is being a shit right now, and he's, like, basically trying to avoid her at at all costs. But if he's not picking up, she needs to go round. Like, she went round when it was the legal paperwork stuff. But on the really big paternity and gender, she's just tried to call him and call him and call him. Yeah, And And we touched on it last week. Like, they're, they're on cordial terms. Yeah, there's no reason Sophie shouldn't, like... Be able to just pop round, have a cup of tea, maybe not that level of cordiality, but, like, they should be able to be able to just have a conversation without it being... Yeah, and before, especially before, she is then telling people, like, Jeff and just, you know, other friends and stuff. Yeah, Like, the father should know. (laughs) So I think it's it's pretty poor form. I mean, we, we equally, we have to point out the fact that Mark is being... Awful. I got very strong vibes of how he was behaving before the wedding, where he goes, 
well out of his way yeah. to avoid her at all costs, cancel calls, turn his phone off. This is a different situation, though, because he had the power to cancel the wedding and didn't. Yes, Whereas here, he can't cancel the baby, can he? Like, the no. baby's coming. Sophie's not necessarily going about it in the right way, but, yeah, like you said, 100% he's not. Mm. Um, but Jeff comes out with a great line um, when... Mark has said, like, obviously I didn't know. Jeff says, I- I'm glad I could be the one to tell you. You'll always remember this moment now. And you think, yeah, you probably will. You'll always remember the, m- the moment your arch nemesis told you one of the biggest pieces of news you'll ever find mm. out. He's got such a big grin on his face. And he says, he? just me and you and Sophie and the lad. <laughs> <laughs> and you think, yeah, with, with it being Jeff being his, in quotes, stepdad, he probably would be a bit of a lad. Mark's worst nightmare. Well, Mark it? says in his monologue, he's, he's never going to be a lad. Boy to geek to drone. That's the Corrigan trajectory. Um, and so Mark heads over to talk to Sophie. And I don't know whether it's just Mark's... We haven't seen Mark's investment in the pregnancy or in the baby because he hasn't had an investment exactly. in, the, in the baby. So when he says to Sophie, oh, it seems real now, mm. you're like, it is real, mate. Like, Look at her. She's yeah. clearly like this is a this is a real thing. She's fit to pop all mate. Yeah, and yeah. I had a similar thing when we got married. Like, not me and Tom. Like, <laughs> we're, we're not. Um, <laughs> but like, when I got married, it was a case of like, oh, we've planned all this stuff. We've planned it all. We've planned it all. And it wasn't until and you were obviously there. It wasn't until the moment that I was standing at the altar, and the music started playing, as my wife started coming into the church, that I was like. Oh my god, it's my wedding day! <laughs> like the whole the whole build up to it, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, wedding, wedding, wedding. Mark's going baby, 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 and then suddenly gone. Oh my god! Like in the next six weeks, but, she's going to have a baby, but and it's you, my baby that yeah. I'm legally responsible mm. for. But do you think that was because you were worried so much about the build up to your wedding and making sure it all goes like it? The plan is executed, and it go, you know everyone's organised. Yeah, whereas I suppose things. Mark has just had nothing to do with it, so he's, in, he's got no excuses. Yeah, Mark's in full blown denial. Like it's only now that he's even sort of acknowledging. The but I suppose if properly. he's not gone and done all of the things, like you say, he's not gone and bought the prams or the cots or whatever else you have to buy when you have a baby. Um, you would certainly feel a lot more real if your house or your flat was being filled with baby paraphernalia. So Sophie then hands over Mark's early birthday present, which Mark is very shocked to receive because he's saying, "Oh, it's six weeks till my birthday. This is <laughs> this is this seems unnecessary." And Sophie tells him that it's driving lessons for an intensive driving course. Basically, she needs him to drive so that he can take her to the hospital, go and pick up the baby, whatever else, and just be there without having to get two buses and three trains to be able to do anything. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a weird one because. I mean, that's, that must cost a lot of money. I swear drive, intensive driving courses are like a grand. I don't know if they're that much, but they're certainly expensive. I've got had a few friends that have done them over this summer, actually, that have been oh, okay. like have been fairly expensive. Definitely um, hundred, like I would say more than 500 quid. Yeah, and it's got like a 95% pass rate. Although I, will, I won't mention the person who's done it, but a former work colleague of mine did it and then failed. <laughs> and I had to stop myself from being like, they have a 95% pass rate. Um, so yeah, she buys these these things. Have I made up that David Mitchell can't drive? No, he can't drive. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I was, I was like, I was sure. I couldn't remember whether I'd watched it on Would I Lie to You? And it was one of those things that turned out to be a lie. 
But no, one of the many parallels. Yes, yeah. So he can't drive. So yeah, like you said, a very, very good parallel. Um, and Sophie says, "You've always wanted to learn to drive." And Mark's like, "Have I? Like, <laughs> this seems like it's way more of a present for you than it is for me." Yes. And yeah, you've given yourself a taxi driver for my not yet birthday. <laughs> um, and they have this conversation about baby names and. It just shows the difference in their two attitudes. Like Mark clearly hasn't thought about baby names. Not for a second. And Sophie clearly has. And I feel like here Sophie is not jumped up, not like acting above her her station. But I'm like, a name like that, like Tarquin Oliver Nimrod... Yeah, where has that come from? ...is a name of people who are like of a lower social class, like lower or middle class who are trying to pretend that there's something they're not. Mm. It just reeks of pretend aristocracy. It is also the most ridiculous name I've ever heard for a child. <laughs> well, I think Sophie Hortensia Chapman. Yeah, so She has point. got a little bit about her. But... It's so funny, though, because she's Sophie. Like, you've got Sophie and... Jamie. Jamie. Ian. And Ian and Penny. Like, yeah. none of them are particularly exciting names. No, and then I do get the logic of... I've already said when I have kids, I don't want to have a name that when they are at school, they've all got the name. Yes. I don't want to be in a class where there are five Robs. Yeah, I mean, that's true. You've got one of the most common names I, in I was England. in a class of three Toms. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised there are only as few as three. <laughs> like, every time I see something on Twitter, like, I, like, one in every ten of the things that probably get liked on our Twitter is liked by Tom. Liked by Tom, and they're all different Toms. So yeah, Tarquin, name. Tarquin Oliver Nimrod is ridiculous. And Mark laughs, and he, he bursts out laughing in the same way that I think the viewer does when, they, when she says that name. Tarquin Oliver Nimrod. <laughs> I like it. Why did you laugh? I thought it was a joke. You thought it was a joke, but you like it? Tarquin Oliver Nimrod. Come on, give the little bugger a chance. What would you call him, Mark? Mark, Mark Corrigan III? No, of course not. Just something normal. What's normal? I don't know, just Bruce or something. Bruce? No, no, not Bruce. You just said Bruce. No, no I didn't mean Bruce, just a name in that area. Little Bruce? No, not Bruce, just a name like Bruce. Not even that much like Bruce. Any name, mate. <laughs> you could have thought of any name. There was nobody under the age of 50 in this country <laughs> called Bruce. Yes, too right. I feel like Bruce might be one of those names that... You know they're talking about like the name Gary... No one's been born with the name Gary since <laughs> yeah. like nineteen ninety five or something. Yeah. Like I feel like Bruce is that is that name. I couldn't uh-huh. think of anyone with the name Bruce. If you are a listener says. called Bruce, please get in touch with us <laughs> and we will uh I don't know what we'll do. We'll give you a shout out. <laughs> because I can think of one Bruce in in even in like celebrity statuses. I can only think Bruce of... Wayne, Batman. Okay, all right. <laughs> Bruce Wayne, you've got Bruce Forsyth, Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, Bruce Forsyth, he was about 100 years Bruce old. Bruce Springsteen, who's in his 70s. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not a young person's <laughs> name, is it? No, it's not. But I, I, what I find funny is Sophie's reaction to Bruce is almost worse than Mark's to Tarquin Oliver Nimrod. I don't know whether Bruce is arguably worse than Tarquin Oliver Nimrod, though. Um, but Mark says, I don't want to... Give my child a name that sounds like he's part of a decaying European dynasty. <laughs> well, it's not quite that bad, but it is any one of those names on its own, you can kind of justify. Really? 
Tarquin's quite pretentious. Oliver's fine. Yeah, Oliver's fine. I remember this. I remember this meme being really popular when Boris and Carrie Simmons named their child, and it was a list of these ridiculous names one after the other. I can't even remember what it was. It was like Wilfred, such and such. Oh yeah. And I remember people being like. Give the little bugger a chance, Boris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that kid will probably go to school with people with equally He'll go, yeah. outlandish Tarkin, names. Oliver, Nimrod will go to school with yeah. five other people called Tarkin, Oliver, Nimrod in the same class. So we skip forward, presumably, I don't know, a few weeks. Because those intense driving courses don't happen overnight. You don't book it and then get it the next day. True, yeah. Um, so Mark's sitting in his car waiting for the driving instructor. And um, he says in his monologue, I think... This episode is great for Mark's internal monologues. Yes. Definitely. Absolutely phenomenal. And he says, oh, I'm doing something I hate for someone who doesn't like me in order to drive around someone who as yet doesn't even exist. <laughs> you're like, when you think about it as systematically as that, you've got a point. But you're doing it for your baby, Mark. Just remember, you're doing it for your baby. That's, it, yeah. That's the long term plan. But he's so disconnected for the fact that he's referring to his child as... Someone who Someone, doesn't even exist. Yeah, it's just yeah, yeah, it just adds to that. The level you know, of disconnect is yeah, obscene. you full blown denial. <laughs> um, but I, I thought, but I thought we should probably touch on Mark's only previous driving experience, or at least that we've seen, which was of course the fact that he scraped Johnson's Beamer along the side yeah, of that skit. It was Johnson just, driving his bullshit. Yeah, he practically, I'm assuming, wrote that off like a beat, like damage to a Beamer like that. That is pretty rough. Well, Johnson does say he's insured out of his ass in mm. that episode, so maybe he did get it sorted. But, yeah, and he obviously has the basics. Like, Mark's an intelligent bloke. He will know the basics of how to drive a car before he gets into the car. Yeah. And he references this. The guy gets in. And to be fair, the guy who gets in, I would not want teaching me to drive. You just look at him, you're like, you don't judge a book by its cover, but he doesn't look like somebody who is going to take care and effort. And the fact he gets in and lights a fag yes. within about five minutes, you think... Five seconds, well, yeah. even. He, just, he doesn't look like a professional at all. No. And, like, my driving instructor was was a lovely bloke. Like, he was he was absolutely fine. Shout out Tony, if you want to get your driving lessons <laughs> in Peterborough, then Tony's your man. Um, but this guy comes in with, like, his baseball cap. He's wearing, like trackies and yeah he's got the cigarette behind his ear he doesn't look professional i think is what i'm no you're absolutely right he looks a bit of a bit of a ruffian yeah and mark as soon as the guy lights up he rather than saying i want me to put it out he goes i can open the window if you want yeah so inconsiderate (laughs) that's not the point mate is it (laughs) right what are you waiting for shall i just go that's a general idea oh fuck soda Careful. Are you okay? It's dislocated, so it hurts when you drive like a dick. What did you stall for? Because I can't drive. That's why I'm having a driving lesson. All right, fine. Go again. Easy on the clutch. He hasn't even told me which pedal is which. He's assuming an incredible degree of knowledge. And there's been no preamble. There's no, like, here are your gears, here are your steering wheel, here's your, like, your clutch and your um, accelerator and whatever. I do know what a car is, by the way. I know I sounded like I didn't know what they are. Um, but, like, I can't remember my first driving lesson, but I I don't think I was told just go. No, I remember for my first driving lesson, what I found a bit weird was that Mark 
Mark was already in the car and then yeah. the instructor came out. Well, and initially I think I thought, oh, he's finishing off his cigarette and then he's getting into the car. But then obviously um, yeah. he then smokes in the car. So that kind of puts pay to that. So Mark tries to drive away. And obviously as soon as he does that, stalls the car, which is to be expected. I stalled the car flipping loads of times in my first <laughs> driving lesson. Um, and the driving instructor's like, it just helps if you don't drive like a dick. <laughs> <laughs> um, or just show him how to drive, like show him like where the biting point is and all of these sorts of things. Yeah, like, there's no like, what's your previous driving experience? Yeah. Like, do you know anything? Have you driven a car before? This guy doesn't give one solitary shit, does no, he? No, he really doesn't. Bloody hell, you are terrible. Look, I, I, I'm sorry, but I can't drive. Maybe in your career as a driving instructor, you may get one or two pupils from failed states like Eritrea, where they have no licensing infrastructure, but basically already know how to drive. However, I feel I should warn you that the vast majority are going to be people like me who can't drive. All right, keep your wig on. That's a retro put-down. Or maybe he thinks I really do wear a wig. Did you teach automatic? <laughs> He's paying you, or Sophie's paying you, a lot of money to do this. And nothing that Mark says is untrue. No, he's not. I mean, he hasn't taught him anything. No. He hasn't said anything constructive at this point. This no. And I do get that once you learn the basics of being able to move a car with the pedals, then a lot of what a driving instructor teaches you is road discipline. Yes. And how to approach a roundabout and how to approach a junction and obviously your manoeuvres and whatnot, but it doesn't take that long to learn how to physically... Yeah, the mechanics. Mechanically yeah. move a car. No, yeah, you learn that in... The first lesson. A lesson or two, yeah. Like, I practised that before I had my first lesson, so I knew mm. that I wasn't going to waste my first few lessons just, like, starting and stopping. But I remember my in, my driving instructor saying, like, right, what, what do you know? Yeah. Like, have, you, have you done any, any lessons with a friend or family or whatever... Do you know about what the biting point is? All that stuff. But this guy's just like, we'll just drive then. It's like, I wouldn't be here if I just if I could just drive. And there's not a thing, is there, with intensive driving courses where you have got to have a minimum amount of experience before you can do them. I'm not I'm missing anything. Thought. No. Yeah. And Mark realises that he is maybe not going to pass with this particular <laughs> bloke. And he just says, do you teach automatic? Yeah, the guy just mocks him, doesn't he? Yeah. He just, ah, uh, it's... Mark's got no staying power. Like, presumably, he could go back to the people and say, can I have a different instructor? Yeah, this guy's an arsehole. Can I have someone else? <laughs> he just says, no more lessons. The mechanics have won. <laughs> or the machines have won. Like... Yeah, he makes a comment about living with the tree people. Yeah, I'll take to the hills and live with the tree folk. <laughs> like, just have another lesson, mate. Just switch to your David Attenborough type person. And yeah, then, like And then go with there. Um... So we leave Mark thoroughly miserable, but we join Elena and Jez very much satisfied after another Olympic gold medal worthy sex. And romp. I want and I want to point out that in the script, and I had to note this down, it says in Jeremy's room, he and Elena have just finished sexing. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> sexing. Um I, I really like how I swear this is like the third time now where immediately after they've finished they both reflect on what a great session that was. <laughs> yeah, and they're presumably having quite a lot of sex. Like, they're having an affair. Like, it's a very physical relationship. Mm. Like, if you're having sex once a month or once a, cu- one, a couple of times a month, you might be like, 
like, oh, that 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 was good. We've like surprised. Remember how to do it? Type <laughs> like joke, like a joke. But like they're having sex all the time. Yeah, and yet they still have to make this comment. Wow. I know. Wow, that was pretty good work. You were really going at it. I just wish that without doing a porno, there was some way for us to make financial profit out of how good we are at doing it to each other. It's amazing, this whole nightmare. I love you, and you love me, and Gay loves me. Shit, everyone loves me. This is the first time that she has told Jez that she loves him. Or the first time we've heard her say it. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. I thought what I noted here is that that line there pretty much encapsulates what I was saying last week is that it's all just about everyone love me this is this is what she lives for she's that sort of attention and affection vacuum just hoovering it all up and she almost doesn't care where it's coming from as long as people are being their her human mannequins or whatever like she's happy but she tells Jez that she's more in love with him than she's ever been yes which I find quite odd (laughs) <laughs> given what's just happened in the previous episode she's literally just got engaged well this is it it's just whatever she is such a weird character yeah as long as she's being served she's happy like getting engaged regardless of whether you're expecting it or not is one of the most romantic moments of your life and you would mm. think if anything was going to stop her from having this affair with Jez who to all intents and purposes is a shit Gail's amazing mm-hmm <laughs> And he's awful. Just sack that off. Like, she does want to marry Gail. Yeah. But this is it. She can't help herself, can she? I can't wait for the Elena bio. I feel like we need to, like, bring in, like, a psychologist to talk about (laughs) stuff with us. Like, Elena's, like, a whole new depth of... um, I don't know what it it is, like... I, I think I wrote somewhere in my notes that she's, like, a sociopath. Yes, yeah, yeah, I think that's very true. Um, Jeremy says though he says the only downer is and I know you explained why it won't but it almost feels like you guys getting married and you being in love with Gail might have an impact on us (laughs) Um, well observed Jeremy (laughs) Um, and Elaine is just like really? do you think? like that surely can't have an impact Um, and Jeremy says well surely like it's going to be weird like me watching you get married and I don't know whether it's any weirder for Jeremy to go to the wedding when he knows that, or when Elena knows about this affair and Gail doesn't, than anything else that's already happening. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. It surprises me that Elena stands so strongly against Jez going. Because she knows he's not going to, although he's got nothing to lose, she knows he's not going to jump up and when it comes up to... Has anyone got any objections? He's not going to stand up and do anything, is he? Uh, He's all talking no trousers. Yeah, I suppose. So I wonder why she says... Why, as a character, why as Elena's character she would say no? Hmm. Fair enough. She wants more people there with their eyes on her. Why would you not say yes? Yeah, that's very true. So she says that he can't go um, and then drops the second bombshell of this conversation when she says, well, obviously with the whole Quebec thing, we're probably not going to see each other many more times. And Jess just looks at her, and obviously we don't hear every conversation that they have, but she's definitely not mentioned Quebec when we've been involved in their conversation. 
And Jez just looks crestfallen because he's like, what do you mean the Quebec thing? And Elena goes on to explain that she's moving away. And Jez is like, he's just absolutely like, <laughs> I'm flabbergasted. I'm sure I would remember you saying, yeah, that you were moving That you were leaving Quebec. me. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't say you were moving to Quebec. He says, I think I definitely remember that you were leaving me to go to Quebec. Um, and Elena just pars it off and just says, ah, oh, well, if you say so. But I think I did. It's, yeah, it's, she's unbelievable. And then says, oh, look, we're having a bit of a going away party for our London friends. And Jess is like, oh, and this is what I am to you now. You're, you're just dumping me as quickly as you pick me up. Like, Well, yeah, she uses the phrase, interestingly, like, you could tag along. Which... Yes. And I think what Jeremy quite rightly hits the nail on the head here, where he's like, what, like, one of your fans? Yeah. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, you're treating me like a piece of shit. And he here. says, does he say something about, why don't I just forget the picnic and just subscribe to your blog? Yeah, he does, yeah. Which is, this is exactly what it is. So Jeremy actually, for a, a brief moment, actually understands what's going on, but then immediately, like, relapses or whatever when... He then just says, like, well, yeah, obviously I'm going to come. Like, he's just that enveloped by his sort of love for her. And it's got parallels with how his relationship was with Nancy, I think, where he just basically did whatever Nancy wanted him to do because he was scared of her leaving him. Yes. So he is just that bloke in the relationship Mm. where he will just... You jump how high? Like, that's... Well, that's interesting that yeah, you compare it to the, the Nancy thing. Was right, he would, he would do anything to hang on to her. But, you know, Elena said that she's going. Like, pretty much, it seems like that's set in stone now that she's moving to Quebec. You don't just cancel moving to Quebec. It's like a serious... And I wonder whether, because she's still saying these I love you, I love you more than ever type things, that Jez is still holding on to, like, a modicum of... Hmm... Maybe she will. Maybe if I make a big... She's all about the gestures, like you said last week. True. Maybe if she listens to something I've got to say or I do something for her, she will just... Maybe if I tattoo her face across my chest, <laughs> she, she was there. Double it later. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, Jeremy backtracks on the whole thing. He's just like, yes, of course I'll be there. Like, he will tag along like one of Elena's fans. Um... And so we briefly then catch up with Mark, um, but instead of carrying on his lessons on the intensive driving course, he's skiving off, uh, reading a book and eating chips. He's reading Shakespeare. He's not even reading anything particularly light. He's reading Shakespeare. This is the life. Bit of shaky, enormous plate of chips. And when Sophie goes into labour, we'll call a minicab. What's the big deal? This is a much more productive way of spending four hours than breathing in my instructor's second-hand Super King smoke. I could write a play in the time I'll save. Yeah, what's my play going to be about? A bloke, a genius, unrecognised in his own time. Mark Borrigan? And he loves, or maybe even hates, chips. He thinks that this is a much better use of his time. He's sort of disregarding the importance of needing to drive for the benefit of his child. Well, he comes up with an alternative. He just says, oh, when Sophie goes into labour, we'll call a minicab. Like, let's not worry about it. That's the only reason I needed to drive, and actually I've got a better plan. Yeah, for like a, a one-off. Yeah, he'd yeah. rather pay the He's the managed to get fee. 35 years into his life mm. without needing to drive. He's <laughs> going to need to drive for one afternoon. <laughs> and then, well, and then the rest of his life when he's got to ferry this child around. But yeah, that's a problem for future Mark to worry about. Okay. Um, so, yeah, he's got bigger things to worry about and decides that he's going to pen his own play. And I thought this was interesting. His idea for his play, it feels very... 
pop psychology, which I think comes up quite a lot in Peep Show, but the idea that this is a a genius, unrecognised in his own time, and then, you know, it's Mark Mark Borrigan, isn't it, the guy. It's like, this is obviously... I mean, it's literally so on the nose. Yes. This is supposed to be Mark, and you just get the sense that, you know, Mark is clearly someone who doesn't get the recognition that he probably feels he deserves, and so he's now going to write himself into a play. It's just like this... Just, uh, just See, I just textbook to me. I didn't look at it in quite the same depth as that. I just thought, he's obviously got an idea, and then he's... It's a bit like when you're at school and you're asked to write a story and you look around and you're like, what inspiration have I got? Oh, me. So I could use me. And I've got some chips. Oh, yeah, I can write about <laughs> chips. I didn't think about it from the pop psychology angle. I just thought about it as he's using the things around him, including himself. Mm. Although I do remember, and we're going slightly off topic here, I do remember as a, as a kid writing, we had to write a fantasy quest story at primary school. Amazing. And I called my two characters Lekolak. <laughs> and Frojo <laughs> if I go to my parents house I'm sure they've probably got that fancy quest story on their computer somewhere this is it this is the new podcast yeah. once we finish Peep Show we're going to read your fantasy quest we're going to go there's only one novel and it's, it's probably about six pages but it was absolute I don't think one, they one were trying one page a week I don't think they were trying to get the ring to mid <laughs> but I can't really remember how the story yeah. went um, but yeah, if I dig that one out, maybe I can do a uh, dramatic reading of it <laughs> for a special episode. Audio book. <laughs> My dad wrote a fancy war quest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um... Support for Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0, all across Europe. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code PEEP at manscaped.com. So why do you need Manscaped's Lawnmower 4.0? Well, we've all got our own nightmare grooming stories about shaving our nether regions. Whether it's Nick's cuts and grazes or an unfortunate tale involving hair removal cream, it can seem like you're always a moment away from disaster. Not with the Lawnmower 4.0. After using it myself, it really does make a massive difference. It's quick, easy to use, and most importantly, I felt safe while using it. With the Lawnmower 4.0, Manscaped have engineered the ultimate groin trimmer, with their advanced skin safe technology making you confident to shave your boys. So, if you're like Mark and are worried about your testicles looking abnormal, the Lawnmower 4.0 can give you the confidence to do something about it and make your balls feel like a million dollars. So go on, start shaving your testicles like it's the most natural thing in the world and get 20% off and free shipping with the code PEEP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code PEEP. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. So uh, we next fast forward to one of Gail and Elena's uh, pre-wedding parties um, for, for the London lot. Um, Mark has also tagged along, and this opening monologue from him and Hans is yeah Hans is that this the guest list for these parties is so bizarre. We get Jeff later as well. Do you think Sam really and Jesse weird. just thought, oh, uh, Hans hasn't been in many episodes this series? Let's uh, Matt King's obviously <laughs> back from Australia. Let's um let's chuck him in. Yeah, the only thing there's that no I logic did... behind Hans being in this episode. Well, I wonder if Sophie knows Elena because she buys drugs from her. Maybe Hans does as well. 
But she's she's only selling weed. Like, Hans must have a dozen people that he buys drugs from, and weed is quite small time for what Hans takes. Mm, true. I don't know, that was the only connection I could possibly make. Yeah. I think it's more just the fact that they just want to bring some of the principal characters back Perhaps, in. yeah. Because, <laughs> um, does he go to the wedding? Uh, Hans? Yeah, I suppose no, we don't, don't, we don't so. see him at that party that's sort of happening. No, I think we only see him at this picnic. Yeah. Um, but Mark comes out with this amazing internal monologue. And I have to say, I, I was laughing out loud as I was writing this down on the page. Because it's just, this is, you know, this is Mark distilled down to his essence yeah. almost. Where he says... What a car crash of a picnic. Gail and Elena's London friends. Thin gruel. They must be half hating themselves for having to invite me and half despising me for turning up. This has been um, part of my everyday sort of vocab now where it's just like, this is a car crash of a yes. something. It's something that marks us a lot, like the car crash of a shopping basket. Yeah, the car crash of a picnic. Yeah, it's just something that's sort of invaded my mind. Yes. Um, but I, I also thought this is probably how Mark prob- um, might have felt when he was putting together his party list, like the guest list for the party last episode. <laughs> yeah. Just like meet in the room. And the amount of people that must have arrived being like, I don't even really know you. Yeah. Like, you hate me. Like Jeff must have been, why Why have you invited me? Yeah, exactly. It's Very a, weird. An odd, an odd mix. Um, and Gail is having a conversation with Jeremy, isn't she? And she's sort of saying, like, everything's coming together. We're moving away. It's exciting. Yeah, so it almost was a little bit like, obviously she doesn't know that she is, but, like, Gail was almost rubbing it in to Jeremy here. So he's struggling big time. And we see over the, you know, the remainder of this episode where Jeremy unravels very, very quickly. And what we get now is increasing levels of desperation to the point where he beca- he comes across very erratic. And like I said, I think there is a point where he thinks the whole way through, I can do something to end it. I can do something to end and I can be with Elena. I can do something. And then the closer he's getting, the more he's realising. Yeah, time is running out. Yeah. yeah. So he practically, he suggests to go for a row on the lake and he practically drags her away. Yeah. Um, so they they head off, um, Elena, sort of reluctantly. Um, and then we're left with Mark and Sophie. And she asks him how his job interview went, which is news to us. Yeah. And almost news to him. I think he's so... He'd forgotten caught... his own lie. Yes, he's very much caught up in his own web of lies. Um, and this was purely a lie to get out of going to an antenatal class with her. And it just goes back to Mark's being a shit. Like, Yeah, he's, it's awful. And like... He doesn't even acknowledge... Sometimes we hear Mark acknowledge the fact that he is being a shit when he has his internal monologue. But he says to in his internal monologue, eh, not technically a lie. Like, I did interview myself for a job as a playwright. <laughs> and by Jove, I think I got it. And you're just like... Just understand the seriousness of the situation. You are... I know that he doesn't hold Sophie in particularly high regard. And I know that he doesn't particularly want this baby... But you're getting perilously close. Yeah, like, like you said earlier, it's coming and you can't cancel it like yeah. a wedding. It's, it's those parallels again where he's constantly cancelling all her calls, avoiding her. But it's like, you can't escape this. Yeah. This is like a life-changing event that will be with yeah. you forever. So he feigns interest and he asks her how the class was and sort of pulls his face like, was it pretty gruesome? As in like, am I 
am I glad that I missed it? Um, and Sophie says, no, actually, it was all right. In the end, Jeff came with me. Um, and cue Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> Who made that? I need to find. It might have been Dobby Club. Somebody made a video of two minutes, but it's just Mark saying Jeff. <laughs> oh, yes, I've seen that, actually. Yeah, it's very good. Jeff is in Jeff. And uh, Mark, Mark just hates him, doesn't he? And he just says, what did he do it to pervert ladies' breastfeeding? <laughs> and it's like, it reminded me of back in series one where he makes that comment about um, Jeff being a seat sniffer. Oh, yeah. And he's like, this seems to hold some sort of like, Mark is either hearing all these rumours and just using it to stab Jeff a bit, or there is actually, is Jeff a little bit of a... Well, he, he's always been a bit sort of... Lechy. Yeah. Bit sleazy, bit... Greaseball bit, type Yeah, thing. exactly. So maybe there is a bit of something to it. But I think, you know, Mark gets outraged, as, as always, whenever Jeff's involved. But Mark's... He's almost lost the right to be mad that Sophie has taken Jeff back. And actually, by the time that they have the christening in Series 7 and they arrive after the christening and Jeff's there, Mark doesn't react as crossly as he's done in the previous Mm. times. Every time, there are various times in the next couple of series where Jeff appears where you wouldn't expect him to, like at the christening and he appears from around the corner. He comes to pick up baby Ian. Yeah. um, And just, and Mark seems a bit shocked to see him at that point. Yeah. But, like you said, Mark's lost any right to be too defensive about it. I think it. so, yeah. Um, but then Sophie casually mentions that she's had another idea for the baby's name, and it turns out it's Jeffrey, and we get another Jeff, Jeff. as in Jeff. Yeah. Um, and Sophie says that, oh yeah, like I hadn't thought about that, and it's like really. <laughs> just scrolling through the script, I've just missed an incredible quiz question that I I had, so I'm going to ask you this now because <laughs> I've got the the script in front of me. Okay. Can you think of the three suggestions that Mark in his monologue thinks, oh, what fresh hell is this? And then he has three potential things that he thinks Sophie's going to say. I'll give you a point if you can name any of them. Oh. Um, no, literally nothing's coming to mind. Spock, Mao, or Vandross. Oh, Vandross, yes. <laughs> I, I, who is Vandross? Luther Vandross was a singer, like a... Oh, okay. That one flew over my Big head. American singer. Oh, right. Um, so, yeah, Mark does his Jeff is in Jeff, and Sophie plays... Sophie's not stupid, but she goes, oh, I hadn't really thought about it like that. No, I meant it as in, like, after my... Is it her granddad? Uh, un- Uncle Jeff. But oh. it's, it's Jeff with a G. Yeah. Uh, apparently that is enough to... But, I mean, come on, like... You just know that that's not going to go down well with Mark. No, and he says, oh, um, I've created a father vacuum and Jeff is the toxic gas that has come into it. (laughs) And all of a sudden he says, I want my baby back. As in, now somebody else has stepped into the role that I should have been fulfilling for the past six months. Mm. I'm a bit pissed off about it. Yes. But it's because it's Jeff. If it was anybody else. Perhaps, yeah. So, out of nowhere, Hans then pipes up. And just says, oh, if I were you, I'd just, I'd leave the naming of the baby to the baby mama. That's what I did. <laughs> yeah, this revelation. Like, I'm sorry, what? What's yeah, and Mark say? says, you have kids. <laughs> and has this like, yeah, the, the kids. And this is a real, I think this is one of the most iconic peep show scenes. But, and certainly, okay, maybe a hands scene. Yes, that's what I was It's one say. of the most iconic. And he's like, 
I'm always going on about me twins, aren't I? I don't think you've ever previously mentioned the twins. Of course I have. The twins. The fucking twins. I'm always on about them. I bloody love them too. Yeah, I've got them in my phone. Oh, hold on. Have I? Ah, oh, I'll never forgive Orange if they've wiped the twins. Oh, that is... That is shitty. Where are the bloody twins? Great kids. Bit lazy. Bit on the lazy side. Very rarely pick up the phone to their old man. How old are they? How old? Ooh, seven or eight? What's fump in English? Five? Yeah. They turned fump five years ago. So, what? Pair of eighters, I reckon. Which is wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it took me so many times of watching that episode before I realised <laughs> I did German to GCSE. <laughs> yeah. oh, dear. And it took me that long um, to realise that uh, he he's was got wrong. it wrong. Yeah, the pair of sevens. Yeah, but he bloody loves them too. <laughs> um, and that that also seems to be a bit of a wake up call for Mark here when he's like, oh, hang on a minute, like. Is this going to be me, like Super Mark, yeah. the the crack smoking Mexican restaurant waiter with a shirt and bow tie but no trousers or pants? I love the fact that he refers like we rarely hear Mark use the like prefix of super to talk about hands. He never refers to hands as super hands. To, Jeremy does, but Mark yeah. rarely refers to him as super hands. Yeah. Whereas the fact that he then adds the pseudonym because he's talking about himself. <laughs> super <Yeah>. Mark. <laughs> I like it when he finds out like, his name at the wedding and it's like yeah. Super Simon. Simon Hands. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we move forward, uh, or move location, should I say, to Jeremy and Elena down at the lake. Jeremy's got a rowing boat and he's got one thing on the mind. Yeah, and she's really not into it. And over the course of this scene, she just becomes more and more just kind of freaked out. Basically, it's quite risky, but no more risky than anything else they've done. They constantly have sex just before Gail comes back. Mm, true, actually. Although this is way more open. Yeah, yeah, we're talking in public, really, and everyone knows exactly where they are. Yeah, so at any point, anyone could come down mm. and just see them at it. But she's not in the mood anyway. She's. She's now twisted and said, no, you're being really intense now and I'm not too keen on this. Even though in the whole build-up for the past series, she has been like, I love the fact that you're all over me. That's true. Yeah, she's loved the whole intensity thing. Yeah. And now, when it's actually come to the crunch point, she's like, nah, you're being really intense. Um, And Jeremy says, like, come on, like, this could be the last time that we're ever together alone. And jo- and Elena's just like, yeah, a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah, she just completely then, it's almost like yeah. the switch goes and she's like, ah, we're, we're done now. This is the point where I've written she's a sociopath. Yeah, <laughs> but he he then says something about, yeah, weird. Yeah, that's the word I'd use, weird. <laughs> like, come over here and drop your nuts in the deep fat fryer. Okay, oh, that's a bit weird. What a weird <laughs> sensation. How weird. And then just says, I'm losing my fucking nut here, <laughs> or fucking mind. <laughs> And that will pretty much do it. I think at this point, Elena's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go. And Well, she says, oh, I'm sorry, Jez, but turns out I get married really romantic. Yeah, oh dear. And you're like, just, like, you're there and you're, you've got your foot on his head and you're just stamping <laughs> on him now. Like, you are, you're just crushing him. You're kicking him when he's down. Yes, um, and at that moment, Gail arrives, um, and she's just like, is there room for one more? Jeremy's just like, oh, like, no, kind of wants to get rid of her, but when Elena suddenly says, oh, no, it's fine, like, um, 
why don't you two just go? Then suddenly there's all the room in the world on this boat. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Jeremy doesn't want to do it. Elena doesn't really want to do it. But they are... Neither of them are going to admit to the other one that... Jez can't admit to Gail that she doesn't. he doesn't like her because the reason he doesn't like her is because he's having an affair. Of course, yeah. Um, and she is a friend of... He is a friend of Elena's. So Gail was not going to say, I don't like you. No, so they're awkwardly put into this boat together and, and out they go into the middle of the lake. Yeah. Gail comes out with a fantastic, chocks away! And Jeremy just goes, that's plain, you utter, utter dick. Like, <laughs> All right, mate, it's just like, she's stealing your, um, your, I don't know what word we use for Elena. Mistress. mistress. Well, no, mistress is kind of like the woman on the side. Yeah. I don't know what... I don't know what she... Fancy did. woman? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I never heard the word chocks away, though. I had to Google that. No, he says it's a city with planes. Isn't yeah, it? Is I that... Googled it. It's when an airline publishes departure times as the expected time that the aircraft will start taxiing. So off chocks is when it starts taxiing. Right. So when the departure time for your flight is like 12.03, that's the time, that's chocks away is when the... It okay. starts moving down the runway, not when it actually takes off. Okay. Every day's a school day. It is. Um, so back at the picnic, Mark, perhaps, like I say, after being terrified of becoming super hands, decides to tell Sophie that, you know what, he's going to buck his ideas up now. He doesn't want to become super Mark. And he's just honest and says, look, I'm terrified about this whole thing. And um, it's a rare moment of actually seeing Mark emotionally fragile, is maybe not the right word, but like opening up yeah we so often see him just try and lie his way weasel his way out of things so to yeah. actually be like look and to someone other than jez to be like look actually i'm feeling this way and even with jez it's always way more dramatic and he's like i'm starting to get the feeling i'm absolutely yes. fucked when he talks to jez but this is more like raw like yeah. i'm really scared of what's about to happen like this is a real like watershed moment um but, like, he says, I can't sleep, I've got mouth ulcers, I've got that weird stress thing that I get with my elbow, <laughs> and then says, my bowels are all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he, I don't know what's prompted him, I don't know, I can't imagine it's the, the hands line. I, I think it is that, and the combination of that and the news about Jeff going to the class and being like I'm being yeah more so here. the jeff thing than the hands thing, yeah I imagine um but he says like the headlines are i'm gonna wheel you in or drive you in and wheel you out yeah i'm going to be there um and sophie says like, like i really appreciate that and i know that the driving thing might seem like a lot or might seem like a little thing but it is big to me um and we then get it revealed that his test is that afternoon like he's just in the middle of, like, London having a picnic. And <laughs> you're like, should you not be, like... Before my driving test, I had a driving lesson. Yeah, same. Like, and then he goes to another party straight after the lesson, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. It's very odd. Yeah. Um, so Mark says, like, nothing's guaranteed. Like, I'll, I'll probably pass, but nothing's guaranteed. And so if he says, well, it is like a 97% pass rate, <laughs> so... If you did all the lessons. Yeah. So if you're thinking about trying to lie and be like, oh, no, I was just unlucky. No. And I don't know whether she's giving him the chance to 
would you would she ever have thought that he didn't do the nah, lessons? I I think she thinks that he's done it. Yeah. There's no reason not to believe him. But he is a bit when he says, Of course I did all the lessons. What else I would have been doing? Like watching the frankly overrated wire the wire on DVD. It's a bit like the lady doth protest too much there. Yeah. Like she but... didn't suspect anything at that point. No, but that watching the wire on DVD and the fact that he throws in the frankly overrated, it's just it's too specific to yeah. be like, Yeah, that's exactly what you were doing then. <laughs> yeah. Well he wasn't, was it? He was um well it might have been part of, partly what he was doing. He was mainly eating chips and Writing, yeah. writing plays um, but Mark reveals his his plan for passing when he says there's always the slim chance the examiner will pass me because he's gay and inexplicably finds me super hot <laughs> and it has real like uh, reminders of you know in the in-betweeners where Simon yes has his driving test and that woman like basically ends up nearly tossing him off while he's driving that's the instructor that Mark needed in that moment. oh god yeah he'd have been terrified he'd been like please don't touch my floppy cock <laughs> um, so um, we go back to Gail and Jeremy having this conversation and having said that Gail's never going to say to Jeremy that she doesn't like him she says it's nice to spend some proper time with you when I first met you I thought you were a bit of a loser and you're like yeah to be fair he didn't sell himself particularly well to Gail when no, he first, first met her he mm. was like um, I'm just a local pothead get my drugs up here bring it down there that's it my system made a terrible first impression yeah well he didn't make a great first impression on Elena but she's obviously just <laughs> she's not a mensen so she's not <laughs> going to be as easily swayed um, and she says well now I think you're alright and like you said Gail doesn't realise that she's doing this and, and rubbing it in Jeremy's face but she's like me and Elena we've had our ups and downs but it's amazing that we're actually going to spend the rest of our lives together. And because we know what Jeremy's doing, it just makes it all the more sort of painful. It's quite painful to watch, even though Jeremy's been a shit and he's having an affair. Like, he doesn't deserve the moral high ground. But watching him become increasingly desperate, yeah, is a bit of a rough one. And his next plan is, what could I do? Like, make a pass at her? Yeah, so she won't be interested, but it might put a spanner in the works in a way no one can predict. Which is, I I feel like this must be what Jeremy thinks pretty much any time he comes up with a scheme. I've got an idea in my head. I'm not sure what the repercussions of it are going to be, but as long as it has some repercussions that are some way directed towards what I want to happen. Yeah, as long as it's a catalyst for change. Yes. Like, whatever that change may be, I'll then I'll worry about that later. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Um, and Gail then reveals that she can't swim. She's like, I'm not much of a sailor, I can't swim. And Jeremy, the light bulb goes in his head. He's like, ding, ding, um, I'm going to drown her. (laughs) The spanner is now the murder. God, it would be so great if she just fell in the water. A few big bubbles and then a few smaller ones and then, poof, problem gone. She definitely said she can't swim. I definitely couldn't push her in. It would be so much easier if she wasn't a human being with hopes and dreams and clinging, grasping arms. Is it cool to swap over again? Yeah, okay. Ooh, wobbly. Oh, wobbly! Oh, shit! Oh, shit! Oh, shit! Oh, no, this is terrible. I thought she said she couldn't swim. This is where the monologue is just amazing because you hear the like angel and devil in yes. Mark and Jeremy's heads all the time with this. Yeah, so uh, we leave them before Jeremy does act out. Um, uh, we have the break, and when we come back from that break, we join Mark on his driving test. And, I mean, we know he's going to fail. He's had yeah. 
about five minutes of lessons, so it's like, how spectacularly is he going to fail? <laughs> Turns out, well, he doesn't even really get off the... Uh, we presume the test doesn't actually get completed. No, it doesn't seem that way. Um, he wonders whether he should let the instructor f- touch him up or whether he should touch the instructor up. And he says, would either of us enjoy that? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I can't imagine there's ever been a situation in which what he tries to do is going to sway people. No. Where he's basically like, he's a Spurs fan. A Spurrer? Could go a bit spurry. <laughs> Spur things up. Um and then so he goes on this spiel about saying like, oh, they don't give you much room. My knees are really hurting. They don't give you much room at the White Hart ground. <laughs> um, and the driving instructor just completely... Barely even acknowledges it, yeah. But it is just such a lame attempt. I, there's nothing you can really do no. to try and do that. Like, I remember trying to have a conversation with my driving instructor. No, my driving examiner, sorry. And I can't remember whether I... For the listeners, I failed my test three times before I passed. And I can't remember which one of my tests it was. Mm-hmm. But it was during the World Cup. And he was just chatting away to me. So it was 2010. And he was just chatting away to me about how England were doing. And I was like, he was talking to me. And I was like, I really don't want to talk. Because I really need to concentrate yes. on where I'm going. But at the same time... Yeah, you want I, to sweeten him I up I want to not sweeten him up. But yeah, if, I'm, if I act like normal and calm and able to have a conversation whilst I'm driving, it is a bit like... I don't want to be too cocky and just chat to you. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't want to come over like, oh my God, I can't talk to you because I'm driving yeah. type thing. So it's a, it's a double-edged sword <laughs> of that, really. Um, so the instructor just says, right, if you'd like to start the vehicle and drive off and we'll join the traffic. <laughs> no preamble. I mean, when I had my driving test, we had to do a bit where we had to like point out all the stuff on the car and show where you change the oil and all of those sorts of things. So I presume that he's done that bit. Yeah, and you have to look and read a licence plate from 20 yards or something, don't you? Yeah, Yeah. Uh, which I presume Mark's already done. Um, So I'm impressed in a way that Mark didn't try to go through with this and just carry on. Well, I think the risk is potential death. (laughs) Yeah, but it's... Mark does so much to save face. Mm, yeah, I guess. Which, yeah, I want to touch on later, I think, towards the end. But, yeah. um Interestingly, in this situation, he does it to save face. He doesn't save face and just says, I can't drive. But when it comes to his ex-wife and unborn child, he doesn't. No. He doesn't. I think the difference is that he doesn't have Jez to coach him, quote, coach him through the, the driving exam. So slightly different. No, but it's a massively more important situation. Uh, no, I, yeah, I agree with you totally. Yeah. <laughs> so um, Mark just comes clean and just says, "Here's the thing, I can't actually drive. However, for personal reasons, I really, really need to get a driving license. So I was just wondering whether there was any chance at all that you could pass me without taking the test. And and then I promise that I'll take the lessons very soon and become a competent driver. Uh, I, I totally promise." And maybe he'll grant me a Nobel Prize if I promise to nail cold fusion. Um, so, yeah, complete failure there. Um, and we go fast forward then. So I think it's the same day, isn't it? Mark has just come from having his test. Yeah, so I presume it's later on that evening. I presume I presume they are literally having all these parties, then getting married at the weekend, mm. and then going. 
Yes. So they're just trying to fit in everything really quickly. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So they're, they're back at this party. Uh, Elena's making her speech. Um, she says about how Gail is marrying her and her wheat intolerance, is, yeah. which gets an amazing reaction from Mark. <laughs> yeah, he says, of course she has a wheat intolerance. She's far too important to be able to tolerate wheat. <laughs> yeah, um, and then she sort of announces Jeremy is sort of like the hero of the hour after he managed to save Gail from drowning and it's done so much that they've then invited him to the wedding as a result yeah gail comes over and um yeah offers him one of the cottages and i wonder whether gail has had to say to elena look i know we weren't going to invite him although there's no justification for why they wouldn't invite him like from gail's perspective yes well i think because it turns out they've invited sophie yeah, it so makes it even it, weirder. It makes it all yeah, it makes it suspicious that they don't invite Jeremy. Yeah. It makes it seem like something is going on. Yeah. It's a bit Um But Jez looks really sort of shifty and sort of not quite comfortable. And Mark goes over and asks him whether he's alright. What? You seem to be acting with almost genuine modesty and humility. I tried to kill her, Mark. I think I tried to bloody drown her. What? You rescued her. Why would you rescue her if you wanted to kill her? I was thinking, I want her to fall in, and she did fall in. So? I wanted interest rates to fall to historic lows, and they did. That doesn't make me the governor of the Bank of England. Who knows what I'm capable of? I could kill anyone in this room with a pencil. You really couldn't. God. I'm evil. No, Jess. The absolute worst thing anyone could say about you is that you were a selfish, moral blank whose lazy cynicism and sneering, ironic take on the world encapsulates everything wrong with a generation. But you, my friend, are not evil. Thanks, man. I think this is one of the most encapsulating, but without saying anything, particularly important encapsulating moments of Mark and Jez's relationship and last week we talked about what's on Mark's epitaph that's uh, <laughs> that's yes. Jez's and I like that the best bit though is that um, Jeremy says oh, thanks Mark <laughs> <laughs> that's just what I needed to hear I'm not I'm not evil yeah but perhaps what I think might be the most he's listened to the last sentence yes that and it's just like this is perhaps one of the sharpest most accurate put downs Mark can aim at Jeremy. Yeah, and he just bats it off. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, not bats it off, but just doesn't acknowledge that it was a put down. Exactly, and it kind of made me th- remember back to the first episode of this series when it's like, what he he took the insult as a compliment, like he could become invulnerable. But I suppose this is a backhanded compliment, isn't it? It's not quite an insult because he's saying, yes, you are. You're not evil. I'm telling you, you're fine. You're the shit on my shoe. You're, you're not evil. <laughs> there are lots of things wrong with you, but being evil is not one of them. <laughs> Um, so talking of being evil, uh, Sophie then appears. <laughs> oh, oh no! Don't edit that out, mate. Don't edit it. I managed to say stuff about Sophie, and I've not received a single message so far from last week's episode. Um, so she comes over and she says, "Like, hi, Mark. How was the driving test?" And um, Jeff's hot on her heels. Isn't and he, Mark too? doesn't answer quickly, which is really suspicious. <laughs> like, surely you'd just be like, "Yeah, I passed." Yeah, that's true. He just says, yeah. oh, well. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't say, yeah, I passed. He just goes, oh, yeah, it went well. <laughs> what does that mean? Like, it is a, it's a, it's a, like, a binary thing. You either pass your test or you fail yeah. your test. Um, and Mark, in his monologue, reveals that he then tried to bribe, like, 
he, there's obviously been a further thing where he's like, att- he said attempted bribery. Like, he's obviously tried to do something oh, else. Oh, yeah. I hadn't really acknowledged that. Yeah, as I read the script and watched it, I was like, is he counting the fact that he will go on to do his thing as bribery? Or he, he's clearly then offered him some sort of financial gain. Yeah. Mark's a shit. He is a shit. Yeah, this episode is not a good one for Mark. Um, and I think he gets riled by the fact that Jeff, he is spending as much time not having to reveal the answer as he can. Yeah, well, I think it's the the arrival of Jeff. Yeah, and Jeff then says like, "Oh, like, tough luck, mate." I mean, I didn't, I didn't pass till well, actually, I passed first time, <laughs> and that just riles Mark to the point where he's like, "All right, screw you, then. I'm gonna lie. I'm just yeah. gonna come out with it. I want to wipe the smug like grin off your face. Yeah, I'm gonna lie into a web of my lies that I'm not going <laughs> to get out of very easily." Um, and Mark's like, "Oh, well, no need. I passed." Yeah. Um, and Sophie seems quite happy. Um, and Mark, it's one of those things where when he starts lying, he just goes and goes and goes. And Doesn't it, know when to shut up. Yeah. And a couple of episodes before, he made that um, lie about, oh, it's a guy who comes and kicks you in the balls and tries to sell you the rough guy to Barcelona. <laughs> this is a good lie, like a plausible lie, but he doesn't need to say it. No, sometimes less is more, definitely. Yeah. So um, Mark says, like, I'm really pleased... Let's let's go forward, and then in his monologue says, "Month to retake my test can't be that hard." Mum drives, <laughs> like the hamster drives. <laughs> Jez drives. Who's the hamster? Uh, Richard Hammond, Top Gear. But but why is that surprising that he drives? Why is that a point of reference? I guess he just doesn't have a good opinion of Richard Hammond. Is this before or after Richard has- Hammond had his crash. crash? Must have been after. Well, he had a couple of big crashes. We had that one where he drove like that rocket-powered car, didn't he? And he was in intensive care for like three months. Mm. If people don't know who Richard Hammond is, by the way, maybe we'll explain this for our non-UK listeners. There's a programme in the UK called Top Gear, which I imagine most people have heard of. Yeah, Top Top Gear Gear went international. So it was like a magazine show um, that had Richard Hammond, Jeremy Clarkson, who people do know. And it's referenced quite a lot of times in Peep Show. And James May, and they basically sort of drove around driving fast cars and doing wacky stuff with the cars. And in one of their episodes, obviously never went to air, Hammond was driving like a car that could drive at like 450 miles an hour or something. It was like a... I'm not sure whether it was a rocket propelled car. I think car, it was, a, yeah. And sort of it just car. went absolutely P-tong and <laughs> <laughs> put it mildly. He, I think, was it in a coma or something? He nearly died. Yeah. Like, it was really, it was really bad. touch and go. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's who Richard Hammond is anyway. Um, so, Sophie uh, then says, oh, Gail says you're coming down to uh, for the wedding. Like, we'll see you there. And it seems really surprising that Mark is also going. Like, I could understand Jez going, but Mark. Well, I guess going. now Mark is Jez's plus one. Yeah. But they're having to shift around cottages. I suppose if there's a cottage for them to stay in, then... Can't, there might be not too much of a problem for... Yeah, they're staying together yeah. in the same one, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Mark has got bigger things on his mind. Like, he's forgetting the fact he's lying about the driving test. And he says to Sophie, like, it's a bit weird, the whole Jeff thing. Yeah, um, and thankfully she agrees to drop it. And what I found interesting as they're moving over is she's like, let's drive over here. And she does this little, like, pretend... I'm, I'm, I'm motioning it in in an audio podcast um and mark says oh she's a little bit adorable and you're like 
Now you pick your moment to yeah, decide oh, she's I know. sweet. Well, he says that she is a bit adorable, but then also a bit annoying. Right, right on, on the, the cusp. cusp. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is an amazing piece in monologue. Um, so Sophie says, yeah, fair enough, I acknowledge. Maybe the Jeff-Jeff thing is a bit weird. Um, Seeing as you've done your bit yeah. with the driving. Oh, oh you're like, you. oh, mate, yeah, <laughs> this is bad. Um, um, and Mark says, great, that's fantastic. And then in his monologue just says, screw you, dickwad, he's my baby. Get your ba- own baby off the internet or by impregnating a woman with your penis, just like I did. <laughs> oh, um, so we skip forward again, presumably several days or weeks. Yes, um, and to the wedding day. Yeah, so... Mark then wanders through into the front room or the room of the cottage and he sees a very clearly intoxicated Jeremy sitting there watching Jaws on a... Is he watching on like a mini like DVD player Yeah, type portable thing? DVD player, yeah. which I've not seen <laughs> it's in tragic. about like, 15 years. I used to have one in the back of our car when we yeah, used to go so on holidays. I, yeah. um, and so yeah, Jeremy, it turns out he's been up all night drinking what looks like whiskey um, I'm watching Jaws. Jeremy, well, what are you doing? It's six in the bloody morning. I'm thinking about Elena and watching Jaws. Oh, God. Have you even been to bed? Don't you think you've had enough to drink? Um, oh, that's a thoughtful question. Uh, no. As it happens, I don't think I've had enough to drink. I'm going to carry on drinking until they catch Jaws the shark. The shark isn't called Jaws, Jeremy. The film is called Jaws. Of course the shark's called Jaws. Here comes Jaws, Jaws the shark. Mind he doesn't bite you with his enormous jaws. Anyway, thank you very much. Your phone woke me up. You know what I get like if I don't get my full eight and three quarter hours? Oh my life, it's a text from Elena. Thinking of you. She's thinking of me, Mark. Or at least she was six hours ago. With three kisses. Oh my god, this is massive. I'm going over there. Don't be ridiculous. If text kisses were real kisses, the, the world would be an orgy. Yeah. Jeremy's like, this is it. Like, yes. this is the moment. Like, she must be clearly in love with me and want me to make some kind of gesture. And I had a housemate at uni, who you met actually, um, who he made a massive thing about like when you're texting a girl, when you're texting your girlfriend or you're texting somebody. The, the amount of kisses you put on it's really important and it shows you how much that you're thinking about them so one is like really like you you do that to a friend or family like two you need three like maybe we do an x then an o then an x i'm like <laughs> this is like jeremy in the buttons yeah like one on holiday, <laughs> and two, every time i see this um marks if real kisses were or text kisses were real kisses the whole world would be an orgy yeah it just reminds me of that every time um amazing and that that reminded me of that there's that mitchell and webb sketch isn't there with the um where he doesn't know that he thought it just meant x at the end of it yeah yes it's incredible (laughs) and he's like oh because he's yeah he says like oh your wife like only put like three kisses like should i put like What's a sex? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Amazing. So Mark is just trying to say to Jeremy, like, it's the day of the wedding. Like, what are you going to do? Like, just leave it at this point. Um, and Jeremy says, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Who knows what I'm capable of? You know what happened on the lake. <laughs> Nothing happened on the lake. I can kill everyone, <laughs> yeah. maybe. Um, so Jeremy decides that he is going to drive over. He's asking Mark where the car keys are. He is going to go and make his final play for Elena. Yeah. Uh, which can only go wrong. Yes, but they are interrupted when Sophie calls and informs Mark that she is going into labour. Um, and of course, as 
everything must. There is no other way of her being able to get to the hospital. It'll have to be Mark. Um, so Mark's like, well, nothing else for it then. <laughs> like, you can't drive. You're drunk off your noggin. Like, we'll have to go and you're just going to have to guide me through it. Yeah. Um, so they go and get into the car um, and Jeremy says, like, you'll be fine, Mark. Just drive. Just not like a dick. Second time in this episode <laughs> yeah. that he's been called a dick. He, he's literally no better than the, the instructor. And Mark calls him out on this one and just says, not like a dick. That's your driving instruction. <laughs> like, please, I need you to guide me. I need you to advise. Like, I don't even know about road signs. But what does that one mean? I don't know. Nobody knows. It doesn't matter. It's lost knowledge, like how the aliens did the pyramids. Slaves did the pyramids, Jeremy. Thousands and thousands of slaves. God, you're depressing. Don't blame me. Blame Ramesses the second. Oh, fuck off! It's not his fault he's a dick! He's doing his fucking best, isn't he? Screw you! Mark's driving is, like, when he drives in Johnson's Beamer, Jeremy makes a reference to driving incredibly slowly, mainly in, mainly in second gear. Yeah, but I, I feel like, you know, for somebody... Let's face it, Mark hasn't had a driving lesson. He didn't really get He's not the doing too minutes. badly. He's managed to get a car to start and he's managed to drive it down yeah, the road. I think you would be terrified of going too quickly if you had the experience Mark did. Uh, so they arrive at the cottage, which presumably Somehow. isn't that far away. No, I'm guessing they're all Within the same vicinity. Yeah. Um, and Jeremy gives us a lowdown on what had happened. There, you see? You can do it very, very slowly. 30 to 40 stalls, one major steering error. Bit of me on clutch at the crossroads when the nasty man was beeping, but you can do it. Right. I'm just going to nip in there, persuade her not to get married, convince her that I'm the guy for her. Quick bit of how's your father, not murder anyone. Back in five, off to the hospital. Kushti. No, no, Jez, absolutely not. No, stay. You've got to help me. One of our followers on Twitter actually commented on this acting and said, do you think that Robert Webb might have, like, like had to... like His drunk acting in this is incredible. And so yeah. I was like, do you think he might have been a bit drunk <laughs> to actually have done it? Because they're like, the way he does it is amazing. He's very good at, yeah, like, slurring his words slightly. And, and that sort of overexcitable way you speak when you're a bit pissed yeah um he does a very good job yeah the delivery of his lines especially quick bit of how's your father was so convincing <laughs> he was either three quarters piss or the best actor of our time <laughs> <laughs> um and so yeah jeremy then despite mark's protests just buggers off and yeah. bolts as sophie's approaching the car jeremy heads inside to try and patch things up with elena um, and Mark unfortunately tries to convince Sophie to wait for Jess to return. Yeah, he's excited. <laughs> and she's like, quite rightly, like, I don't want Jeremy, you know, in, in the same hospital as yeah. me when I'm, when I'm giving birth. Like, it's fine, let's just go. Um, and Mark realises that was his one last thing that he had to delay having to drive. And in his internal monologue just says, right, do I kill my unborn, potentially kill my unborn child just to save face doesn't feel great um and sophie's contractions are getting closer and closer together so it's obvious that we really the baby's to, coming yeah we need to get a proper move on um and mark just i think he's possibly just about to tell her when yes jeremy comes flying out of the cottage in his pants well th- yeah this is it how quickly has he got down to it <laughs> i know this is it he's been in that house for Maybe 30 seconds, <laughs> up, to, up to a minute, like absolute max. And he's managed to get to a point where the how's your father is like 
on it on its way. He's, yeah, he's, he comes out in his pants, doesn't yeah. he? He's got like his holding his trousers and his shirt as he's running out <laughs> and incredible. climbing back into the car. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So Jeremy is screaming at Mark. He's like, "Go, go, go! Pedal to the metal! No need to shout!" You fucking stall. Shouting will not make me a better driver, Jeremy. Fucking go. We need to get out of here. If Gail sees me here, everything's finished. Just go. They're having an affair. Oh, right. It's complicated. Go, go. Fucking go. There. You see, I've stalled again. And and do you know why? It's because I'm nervous. And I'm nervous because you're shouting at me. Okay. And relax and engage fucking reverse gear and go. I'm not going! Why is it not going? Why isn't it going? You've got the handbrake on, you cock! Are you okay, Mark? Normally, I wouldn't make such a basic error, but as you can see, this is quite a stressful situation. Uh, move it, you asshole! Shit, I can't find the biting point! Where's the biting point? Why are you indicating? Don't indicate! Fucking go! To alert other road users to my intention! And Jeremy loses his patience, is just like, right, forget it, like... Get out in essentially like car jacks, Mark. Like, get out, you dick. I've had enough of this. You can't drive. Um, neither can Jez, admittedly, because he's absolutely <laughs> trolleyed. And uh, as they uh, start to drive away, the aforementioned Gail comes into view. Yeah, so she's returning after attempting to find a mechanic, and Jeremy just loses control of the wheel. But he has a really long time. Yeah. When you watch that back, he has a really long time to move out of the way. But we have to, I mean... I mean, I know he's drunk and, like, his reactions are going to be a lot slower. Yeah, he's downed a lot of that whiskey, if yeah. judging by what's left in the bottle in that scene. Um, and I think it's that and the shock of, oh, shit, she's back. I don't really know why Jeremy's worried so much about just him being seen there. Like, it, as long pants. as he... Yeah, but as long as he can get his trousers on in time, I don't believe that Jeremy just being there with Mark picking up Sophie, I don't think that is bad enough to be like, oh, she'll then immediately assume that we're having an affair. Jesse's still in his pants in the car, He puts his shirt on. Yeah, he's still in his pants. Yeah, all right, but he only needs to get his trousers back on. Yeah, true. It's a a bit of a weird one. Um, So... Uh, the looks that Mark and Jez give each other at this point are amazing. (laughs) And Jez just looks at Mark and goes... I did it again, Mark. <laughs> I did it again. <laughs> um, and uh, Sophie then just turns and says something about like, you were going to drive me and you didn't pass. You weren't going to tell me. And Mark's like, oh, I, I haven't really got any way to get out of this situation, have I? Like, this is one of the few times Mark can't talk himself out of something. No. And uh, Sophie storms off. Or gets out of the car, doesn't she? And she, yeah, she prepares to drive herself. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Jeremy casually, he's almost in like a shocked, like a, a trance-like state, isn't he? And he yeah. just comes out and says, like, we're having an affair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've been doing it behind your back. And now it's all come because uh, I'm trying to kill you. <laughs> um, so Sophie, yeah, she gets in. She's ready to drive herself. Mark, horrified screams at Jez, like, we've got to go with her, like, we can't let her drive herself, like, get in the car, Um, and we finish with this wonderful exchange. It is brilliant. (laughs) It is such a nothing... We talked at the beginning of this episode about it being a real, like, like a nothingy end to a series, but Mm. that's what makes this end of monologue so perfect, and Mark just says... So... Okay, so here we are, going to the hospital with you. I'm right behind you. So if you need directions or, or tissues or anything, don't hesitate to let me know. 
Yeah, tissues and directions, good. Don't have any tissues, don't know where we're going, so got those covered. <laughs> and they drive off to the hospital. Yeah, and that wraps us up for the series. So, I just wanted to get your thoughts on what you thought of the series. I think you, you said at the start that you didn't think of it as, you know, you didn't rank it among the highest that we've yeah, seen so far. Yeah, it's a funny one. Like, and don't dislike any episode or any series of Peep Show. I wouldn't go back and watch this episode for fun, necessarily. It wouldn't be one of my top ones. If I was watching Peep Show through, I'd watch it. I wouldn't ever go back and go, oh, I'm going to watch Das Boot. Yeah, if I was just going to pick one out, yeah. I'd be like, oh yeah, um, I see some Peep Show. I think as a series as a whole, like we said, it doesn't really have a start and end point because the start and end points come at the end of Series 5 and the beginning of Series 7. So... Yeah, the boundaries are a bit blurred, yeah. aren't they? Um, I think Elaine is a really good character. Yeah, I love Elaine. Um, I think the whole shift on, actually, the majority of this series is focused on Jez's relationships as opposed to Mark's. Like Normally, for the past three series, it's been around the whole Mark and Dobby, mm. Mark and Sophie, Mark and Sophie. You've had the Jez and Nancy, Jez and Tony bits going on at the same time but Mark's relationship has always been the central point and even last series when it was Mark's crumble of divorce from Sophie and, yeah. and that sort of stuff that was still focused on Mark this is the first one of the series where it's been and even series 7 is the same because that's focused on Jez's relationship isn't it because it's Zara yeah that's right yeah that's that's interesting because yeah, this Mark's, whole series Mark's um romantic relationships have sort of taken a bit of a back seat for these two series. You've yeah. got Dobby and obviously that follows through all the way through. But it you know, yeah. it meanders a lot yeah. and he's actively avoiding his relationship with Sophie wherever possible. Whereas Jeremy yeah. is very much it's actively into yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um and then of course we've got Mark is about to become a father, which is kind of a a game changer for the whole series that yeah. you get the arrival of a child. Um, Not as much of a game changer as you imagine it would be, though. Well, we don't we don't actually see baby Ian all that much, do we? No, not well. We we see his christening. Well, we don't see his christening, but we see him at his own christening, and then we don't really see him again until the end of that series at the party at the New Year's party when he's on the floor. Yeah, and then we don't really see him again until he's like a. Like a toddler. Mm, there is one episode where Mark is looking after him for the day. Oh, yeah, because he's got him next to the shredder, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, but yeah, we don't see him all that much. So it doesn't have too much of an impact, but I suppose... I mean, now Mark and Sophie are very much tied together forever. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Um, yeah, I think that about wraps us up for Series 6. Fancy a punt on the quizzy. Shit a bit of data out of that bunged-up brain box. I'll do the buttons, you do the answers. Right, um, this quiz will be anywhere between about three or four questions and about 15. <laughs> I've got loads of questions. Uh, I was liaising with uh, Doug, one of our patrons, who is a pro quiz writer, um, and he's come out with quite a lot. So <laughs> we'll keep going until you get bored. Right, okay. The first few have got a bit of a, a geography and history theme. Right. Because there's a lot of good stuff to pull out from the script on these ones. Okay. So... Uh, where does Mark say he could get to? He's like, I could get to this place in that time before the baby was born. He's like, I've got six weeks. Oh, uh, I want to say Argentina. Yeah, it is Argentina. Yeah. 
Uh, when he's having his driving lessons, he talks about people from a failed state that might be able to drive. What um, failed state? Eritrea. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether this is mentioned in the script. I'm fairly sure it must be. Uh, which county does the wedding take place in? Uh... Actually, thinking about it, it is mentioned because Sophie says, I hear Isn't you're it... coming down is to like Hampshire. Yeah. That's a, I was surprised you knew that one. Yeah. Three for three. Um, we've talked about this already. How many kisses did Elena put on the end of her text? Uh, three. Yep. Uh, which pharaoh does Mark mention when he talks about the slaves building the pyramids? Oh. He says, thanks. Uh, Ramesses the second? Bingo. Well done. Five for five. Um, what did Mark have to pay the driving instructor for on his car? Oh, uh, repair the clutch. Yep. All right, so those were all of my questions. Hey. Here are some of Doug's questions. Um, So, when Jeff says he smells burrito, Mark points out that he has showered, but what smell does he describe as being persistent? Oh, um, I don't know if I'll get it. It's like the the corn oil or something. Yeah. We discussed whether we'd give you half a point if you said oil, but you got corn oil, which is fantastic. (laughs) Um, What is Elena intolerant to? Uh, Wheat. Well done. Um, Some of these are quite easy, Doug. I didn't read these through. He's been sending these as I've been recording. (laughs) Um, When Mark realises he could write a play in the time he's saving, what does he rename himself as? Uh, Mark Borrigan. Yeah. How many, this is hard, how many degrees is it going to be on the day of Gail and Elena's wedding? 30. Well done. (laughs) Right, okay, screw you. I'm skipping that question out because it's too easy. It's what team does Mark's driving examiner support? We've talked about that one. Here's a savage one. What is the name of the cafe that Mark is sitting in to read Shakespeare and eat chips? Um... We have it on the outside as he goes in. Is it like the silver something? If you come on, yeah, silver what? <sighs> if you is get this, the, I'll retire from the quiz. Like the, the silver slice or something? Silver service. Ah, that's so close. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the last one is what three things does Jeremy say he could do to Gail's uh, to Elena's passport? Oh, um, steal it, cook it, eat it. Not a bad effort at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty pleased with that. I think, was the, the cafe one the only one I missed? Yeah. Yes. That's hot form for the end, is, of se- the end of series. That bumper quiz, we need to step up our game <laughs> That for was the a next, very good one. For the next Thank one. you, Doug, our wonderful patron, for chipping in with some questions there. Um, right, um, that... Yeah, that wraps us up for everything for Series 6 then. Yeah. It's um, gone very quickly. Um, I'm very pleased that we managed to actually, you know, lockdown made things very weird for us, but we we managed to start recording together in person again this series, which was really good. Um, So, And we're well over halfway through now. We are. So six down, three to go. So we're two thirds of the way through, which is... A bit scary. So you're listening to this all being well, as long as Tom doesn't come down with COVID in the next couple of days. <laughs> you're listening to this on October the 17th, 16th? Uh, no, 17th. Yeah, yeah, October the 17th. So we're on a break after this. We have obviously got our interview with David Mitchell on... We're interviewing him on November the 3rd. So 
we are just finalising when we are going to be releasing that episode. Um, but we're not going to make you wait. No, that will come out all going as currently planned. That will come out before Series 7, yeah. which we're anticipating will start sort of mid-November. Yeah, I think all being well, I'm not going to put a promise on it. I think all being well, it will be released within 10 days of us doing the interview. Because yes. A, we want you all to be able to hear it. B, we want the amount of listeners to Series 7 to increase <laughs> from the amount of people that will listen to the David Mitchell interview. And also, we're on quite a tight schedule because we've got the Christmas episode and New Year's episode that we want to release at Christmas and New Year. Yeah. And we've got to tie those up quite quickly. So, yeah, like I said, the interview's on November the 3rd and hopefully we will get it out either that weekend after the interview or the yeah. following week. So if you're listening to this on release, you can expect about a month's gap between the start end of Series 6 and the start of Series 7, but hopefully yeah. David Mitchell interview will be out soon. We are looking at other specials that we can maybe do in this gap, but we don't want to overfill ourselves with... Yeah, we've had, we've had a couple of guests that have sort of sat in the vault at the moment. Um, yeah. Also conscious that we should probably keep up our tradition of um, doing our little episode rankings. Like we're at, we've hit a couple of series now, and we're looking at a slightly different way of doing that. So if you're one of our patrons that is listening to us, then you've received a message from me over the past couple of weeks about how we want that to work. But yeah, so that will definitely happen. All being well, will happen before the David Mitchell interview because yeah. we will have to go straight from the david mitchell interview into series seven yes so if you want to know as soon as when things are coming out you probably should stay tuned to our social media channels excellent segue Tom. that was beautiful <laughs> <laughs> yeah so if you want to follow us on twitter it is at podcast pharaohs on facebook you can find us just by searching for podcast secrets of the pharaohs uh, Instagram is at Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs. TikTok is at Peep Show Podcast. Tom always snorts when I uh, <laughs> <laughs> shout out the TikTok. I think we're we're too old to be using TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> um, and if you want to email us, which we've had a fair few emails in the past mm. couple of weeks um, from Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs at gmail.com there we go cool and also i just want to shout out you know we're at the end of the series now so if you've liked what we've we've been doing please do take a moment leave a review on itunes or you know ratings on spotify wherever you're listening to your podcast it really helps us out helps promote the show um to a new audience um and you know if you know a peep show fan and you think this might tickle their fancy then you know word of mouth and shout out to some of those places that we've had listeners from i've been Sort of doing a bit of a browse of... Eritrea. Eritrea. Argentina. Um, and like Nicaragua. I looked on the charts, the podcast charts last week, and we're fourth in the Nicaraguan podcast charts. Great country, Nicaragua. <laughs> What's the population of Nicaragua? And we were fourth in the Austrian podcast charts last week as well. Amazing. Shout out G to those Gordon people. Targ. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to all those people listening to us, wherever you're from. We got an email from a guy in Sydney last week. Love Amazing. that. Amazing. Yeah, it continues to amaze me, the international reach of Peep Show and uh, and this show as well. So thank you very much for all your support. We'll as, come to um, all of your countries on our world tour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when the live shows start. Yeah. <laughs> 
Cool. All right. Uh, well, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. That wraps us up for Series 6. And as always, thank you for joining me, Rob. I'll never forgive Orange if they've wiped the twins. <laughs> <laughs>